0: continuing in our series, Shift, Changing for Impact, Shift, Changing for Impact. We uh, took some time to go through some New Testament uh, text, and last week we journeyed into the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah, and that is actually where we'll launch from again today. Another passage in the book of Nehemiah from Nehemiah chapter 9. Nehemiah, chapter 9 Nehemiah chapter 9 beginning at verse 32 it should be appearing on your screen uh, momentarily Nehemiah 9 chapter uh, ninth chapter beginning at the 32nd verse um, in the English Standard Version and there you will find these words now therefore our God the great the mighty and the awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love let not all the hardships seem little to you that has come upon us Upon our kings, our princes, our priests, our prophets, our fathers, and all your people. Since the day, since the time of the kings of Assyria until this day. Yet you have been righteous in all that has come upon us. For you have dealt faithfully and we have acted wickedly. Our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them. Even if it their own kingdom, even in their own kingdom, rather, and amid your great goodness that you gave them and in the large and rich land that you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their wicked works. Behold, we are slaves this day in the land that you gave to our fathers to enjoy its fruits and its good gifts. Behold, we are slaves And its rich yield goes to the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They rule over our bodies and over our livestock as they please, and we are in great distress. Because of all of this, we make a firm covenant in writing. On the sealed document are the names of our princes, our Levites, and our priests. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. We praise God for God's word. For the time that we have together today, uh, I'd like to tag this text with the topic, unfinished business, unfinished business, unfinished business. Nehemiah chapter eight presents to us an amazing and even cinematic scene. After the work of rebuilding the walls of the city, Of Jerusalem had been completed, Nehemiah and the people recognized what a significant moment this was for the Israelite exiles. The people had been called, uh, the people had called for Ezra the priest to read to them from the book of the law which was given to Moses. And as he mounts the platform and begins to read from the word of the Lord, the latter part of Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 9 tells us that the people began to weep as they were listening to the words of the law. Can you see it? The people weeping as Ezra reads from the book of the law. This weeping was a sign of the recognition of the conditions of their hearts. It was also a sincere showing of their desire for repentance and reconciliation with God. Yet, because of the scheduled festivals during the seventh month of their year, They had to postpone their time of mourning to which they felt called by the reading of the law for 23 days. And this is where we find ourselves in chapter nine. There is unfinished business of repentance at hand. And if we were to be completely honest with ourselves, we all have the unfinished business of repentance to deal with. We know our own history, and even if we attempt to ignore it or to do things to compensate for it, there is nothing that takes the place of examining our hearts, coming before the Lord, expressing our sin to God, and asking God to extend God's mercy upon us. And even for all that we know that we've done outside of the will of God, there are still things that need to be exposed by God's spirit and God's word to reveal to us the error of in our ways the business of repentance is always unfinished because we can only go for so long before our lack of repentance impacts our relationship with God y'all know how it is you 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 let things build up and you can't hear God clearly clearly you can't discern God's guidance rightly Uh, we find ourselves thinking that we are doing right but really we are drifting further and further from where God would have us to be This is something that the people in the text recognized. And when it was time, they came adorned in their traditional manner with sackcloth and ashes and earth on them before the Lord. The leaders and the priests began to lead the people in a time of word and worship. Scholars suggest that they spent three hours listening to the word and another three hours in prayer and confession. They reflected on the fact that God had been with them and favored them by allowing the resources of their earthly captors to be used in rebuilding the wall. With God's help, they had rebuilt the city walls, and now they were looking for God's help for restoring um, their covenant with the creator. The physical infrastructure of the city had been addressed, but they needed God to deal with the spiritual infrastructure of their hearts and their community. And perhaps what stands out about chapter 9 is the comprehensive retelling of the history of the people of Israel from creation throughout their present circumstances the priest and the Levite recall all the ways that God had set them up to be prosperous and successful from a perfected garden in Eden to the promised land that was prepared for them once they were delivered from Egypt to the countless victories and resources that God had provided for them God had given them homes that they didn't build and vineyards that they didn't plant God had granted them land and they didn't cure in flocks of animals that they didn't raise yet their history also revealed their unfaithfulness to God every time God opened a door for them and they found themselves resting in the goodness and the favor of God they deceived themselves into thinking that they had done it on their own and stopped holding up their end of the bargain the covenant with God was that if if The people follow God and trusted God and obeyed God that they would always find themselves blessed. But if they didn't, God would withdraw God's provision and protection and allow them to fall into the hands of other nations. Israel thought they were strong on their own, but they were nothing without the hand of God working on their behalf. This is what the generations of israelites had forgotten that it wasn't them that opened up a highway in the middle of the sea and closed it back to Pharaoh to kill pharaoh's army it was god it, it wasn't them that provided manna for and meat for them while they were on the wilderness journey it was god it wasn't them that had brought down the walls of jericho it was god it wasn't them that had defeated the enemies in the promised land it was god the Israelites had forgotten in the past, and it landed them in trouble and in exile. And this is what makes verse thirty-one so significant in the text. The text, the pe- verse thirty-two, rather uh, significant in the text. It says, "The people prayed, but in your great mercy, you did not put an end to them or abandon them, for you are a great and merciful God." As the people reflected on their national history. As they thought about their turbulent relationship through the years with God, what they saw was a God who had been merciful in spite of their consistent unfaithfulness to God. The cycle had been identified. God had been good to Israelites, to Israel rather. Israel sins. God shows mercy. But this generation, this remnant of people, many of whom were born and raised in Babylonian captivity, were determined not to repeat the same mistake. So they come to God, uh, to God to, for God to shower down God's mercy upon them one more time. And y'all, in many ways, Israel's story is our story. God has been faithful to us. God has opened doors for us and made ways for us. God has provided and protected and delivered us. And at the same time, we have proven to be faith, faithless unto God. We've done what we wanted instead of what God wants for us to do. And I wonder if there's anybody who's watching on YouTube or Facebook or listening on the Zoom conference call today that knows that all that they have isn't because they are so good, isn't because uh, they are so nice, isn't because you are so good looking or uh, so smart, but it was because of the powerful hand of the Lord guiding you and keeping you and providing for you. I wonder if there's anybody that's willing to acknowledge in the chat that can echo the same testimony of the psalmist that said if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side I would have been swallowed up I I would have been overwhelmed by the waters I would have fallen into the trap I would have been swept away but it was because my help was in the name of the Lord the maker of heaven and earth that I am saved the reality of the Christian journey is that we are going to mess up but it's God's mercy that withholds the consequences that we deserve for the sinful decisions that we make in fact if we did a review of the history of our lives we would begin to see that it is the story of the overflow of the grace and the mercy of God y'all it's one thing to celebrate and to thank God for the grace that has been extended unto us but the flip side of that coin is the mercy that God has extended unto us in fact could go back to verse 31 and personalize it for ourselves but in your great mercy god you did not put an end to me or abandon me for you are a great and merciful god you you ought to try it right now right sitting in your living room sitting in your break room at work sitting wherever you may be even with family and friends you ought to personalize it right now consider the history of your own life and recognize what god could have allowed to happen and what god should have allowed to happen but what God didn't let happen but in your great mercy you did not put an end to me when I was looking for love in all the wrong places God you did not abandon me when I was out of control doing everything I was big and bad enough to do God you could have ended me you could have left me to try to figure it out by myself but in your great mercy you stopped the disease that should have taken me out you stopped the bullet that should have taken me my life you stopped the overdose that should have left me an invalid you kept me from spending my life locked up in jail or in an insane asylum somebody ought to be shouting right now in their living room you you kept the worst possible thing from happening in my life so that I could have another chance to get it right we didn't deserve another chance y'all but God is a great and a merciful God and because God didn't end us then and because God didn't abandon us then, the same mercy that God showed us, then we can make a plea to God that he would extend it to us again God has continued to prove it, prove himself to be there for us yet we continue to drift from God drift from God in our personal lives, drift from God in our families and in our communities, drift from God in our culture, drift from God, yes, even in our churches y'all, there's some churches that got some repenting to do we we have to deal with the unfinished business of where we have fallen short and to seek to make sure that we are in alignment with what God desires for us so what what does handling the unfinished business of repentance require handling the unfinished business of repentance first requires contrasting God's sovereignty against our sinfulness it requires contrasting God's sovereignty against our sinfulness sinfulness check the text in verse 33 the people continue to pray in all that has happened to us you have remained righteous you have acted faithfully while we have acted wickedly Y'all, this verse sums up the contents of the prayer in verses 6 through 30 as they recall the history of God. They were making the case and laying the case for another dose of the mercy of God. And the more they thought about what God had done, the more they realized how messed up they were in the process. Y'all, see what the text says? It says, God has been righteous. You have dealt faithfully, God, but we have acted wickedly. Notice how Throughout chapter 9, God is described, God is described as patient. He's described as compassionate. God's described as gracious, as slow to anger, as abounding in love, and as righteous. However, the Israelites describe themselves in some unsightly terms that we would dare not uh, ascribe to ourselves unless we have a very clear view of ourselves against the sovereignty of God. They describe themselves as arrogant. They describe themselves as stiff-necked, as rebellious, and disobedient obedient. Those are words that we like to hear and when it comes to our character, but the reality is that the same words that were used for God in back then are true in 2021. God is still patient. God is still compassionate. God is still gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and righteous. And the same words that the Israelites used to describe themselves can be used to describe us in 2021 because even the best of us have dark places and shortcomings even those of us who look like they are good or who think they are good have some areas of their lives that are not in alignment with the will of God let's be clear today about who we are we are arrogant we do live as if we know better than God we are stiff-necked we are stubborn and hard-headed and unwilling to do right even when we know it's the right thing to do we are rebellious we like to buck what God's says about how we should live we we are disobedient we do treat God's word as suggestions and not the standard we shouldn't have a high view of ourselves because even though we might think we are good compared to our neighbor our neighbor isn't the standard by which we should live so don't fall into the trap of deception by thinking that you don't have any sin because I came to let you know today that from the pulpit of Mount Carmel all the way to the driveway at your house we all have sinned because the word is clear even the things that we think of as righteous by our standard fall woefully short to the righteousness that is the standard of God we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory when we think about the goodness of God In spite of who we are, when we think about the goodness of God, in spite of our reluctance to love everybody, when we think about the goodness of God, in spite of our unwillingness to forgive one another, when we think about the goodness of God, in spite of our pettiness and our gossiping, when we think about the goodness of God, in spite of our misaligned priorities, we ought to find ourselves in the position of begging God for God's mercy that we might be in contempt continued relationship with God because all of those things ought to disqualify us from being connected to the divine but we ought to be pleading with God for another chance to get it right another moment to do it the way that God desires for us to do it we should be asking God to allow God's mercy to rain down on us and the good news is y'all that when we come to our senses about our sinfulness in contrast to the goodness of God we recognize that that God's love will provide us mercy. We recognize that God's will keep us even when we don't deserve to be kept God's gracious nature will still grant us good things the good things that God has for us because great is God's faithfulness because every morning y'all we are greeted with new mercies God held back some stuff that should have taken us out God tempered the trouble that we should have that we found ourselves in our disobedience should have destroyed us but because of God's mercy it only damaged us us. though we might have been sinful and may still be sinful if we place our full trust in God God's sovereignty we can overrule our sinfulness God's mercy will overcome our mistakes because great is the mercy of our God in fact in the chat you want to type that right now great is your mercy Oh God great is your mercy Oh, God, I'm thanking God for grace, but I thank God for mercy because I got to get up and look at myself every day. And I know I ain't perfect. I know I ain't got it all together, but thank God for God's mercy. and God for God's mercy. Handling unfinished business requires us to contrast the God's sovereignty to our sinfulness. But handling the unfinished business of repentance requires recognizing the reality of our current conditions. The people in the text continue to petition the Lord in verse 36 saying, but see, we are slaves today, slaves in the land that you gave our ancestors so that they could eat its fruit and the other good things it produces. Notice the way they describe themselves. They say, we are slaves in the good land that God gave us. One more time. I'm about to say it too fast. We We are slaves. In the good land that God gave us, F- following the Exodus from Egypt, God had prepared a place for them to settle and establish themselves. But because of the disobedience of the people of the pr- in, of the the Promised Land, actually became a prison land. Oh, y'all might not y'all might have missed that because of the disobedience of the people. What was the Promised Land actually became? A prison land their their sins had caused them to lose access to the benefits that God had promised and provided for them they couldn't enjoy what God had provided for them because of their sin which had stripped them of the privileges of the promise the covenant that God made with the people was a simple one follow God's commands and be blessed don't follow God's commands and lose the blessing and now they were experiencing the consequences of their actions Here's the simple truth today. Our sinful nature and our unwillingness to submit to the command of the Lord cuts us off from the benefits of the promises that God has for us. I said one more time for you, our sinful nature and our unwillingness to submit to the Lord cuts us off from the benefits of the promises that God has for us. We can claim that what God has, what, what God has for me is for me. But if we live in disobedience to the word of God, we will never experience the good things that God has for us. We were born into sin, shaped in iniquity. All of us have sinned. And when we don't deal with our sin, we will find ourselves missing out on the blessings that the Lord has for us. Y'all, our sin can cause us to find ourselves in proximity to what God has for us, but unable to possess it. Oh, man. Oh, man. I got to say that again. Our sin will cause us to find ourselves in proximity, close to, right next door to, right in the midst of what God has for us, but unable to possess it or access it or to claim it as our own sinful hands and sinful hearts can't handle the sacred and sanctified blessings that God may have for us. This is what happened to Moses as they were on their way in the wilderness, almost at the foot at the doorstep of the promised land for the great leader that Moses was because of a momentary mistake, a moment of disobedience, a moment of frustration and doing things his way instead of God's way. He ended up looking at the promised land from a mountaintop instead of leading the people into the promised land. And perhaps this is the reason that we find ourselves spiritually stagnant and dealing with being stuck in the places we should have quickly passed through we have to see ourselves where we are for who we are and we have to be able to deal with our sin so that we can walk in the blessings and the destiny that God has for our lives verse 37 goes on to say because of our sins it's abundant harvest goes to the kings you have placed over us they rule over our bodies and our cattle as they please we are in great distress the people found themselves under the rule of an oppressive regime everything was controlled by the ruling empire the harvest the cattle the land even their bodies were subject to the commands and the demands of the supreme ruler who had taken possession of the land this is the picture of what unrepentant sin does in our lives it does just what it says at the end of verse 37 it leaves us in distress it controls our lives it controls our bodies it feel good it might feel good for the moment but it keeps us trapped in the long run and all the things that god has prepared for us and promised us and planned for us we can't access until we deal with the unfinished business of repenting for the sin in our lives Y'all, I like, uh, you might not have got that. So let me share with you how Paul says it, uh, in the book of Romans. He says, I find this law at work within me that although I want to do good, evil is right there with me for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. I want to do it God's way. I want to walk the path that God has laid for me, but I see another law at work within me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin at work within me in other words when we have sin in our lives it makes us a prisoner even when we want to do right we can't do right because we always drawn to do the thing that goes against the way and the will of God and if we don't get a handle on the cycle of sin we will keep spinning around and around we'll keep wandering in the wilderness we'll keep trying to solve the sin problem that we don't have the capacity to handle and I don't know about you but that's not the life for me that's not the life I want to live because I want to experience the abundant blessings of God not just in the next life but in this life today and if your desire today is the same as my desire for your family, for your life for your church and for the world then we've got to learn that we've got to deal with a reality of our current conditions and place them before the Lord say I don't want to sin no more at least i don't want to live with unrepentant sin in my life because i want to have access to all that god has for me they said we live in the good land we are slaves in the good land that god gave to us but now it belongs to somebody else because we ain't do right so we gotta get right and begin to live right so that we can best possess what the lord would have for us listen Handling the unfinished business of repentance requires uh, requires that we contrast God's sovereignty with uh, our sinfulness. It requires uh, that we deal with the reality of our current conditions. And finally, handling the unfinished business of repentance uh, requires us uh, to uh, requires us to uh, a renewed commitment to the covenant, a renewed commitment to uh, the covenant Uh, after spending this time in prayer. And after recognizing the history of their one-sided relationship with god after pleading with god to show forth god's mercy the people of judah take the step of creating a of creating a renewed covenant with their god check the final final verse of chapter 9 verse 38 it says in the view of all of this in view of all that we know about you and all that we know about ourselves and all that we're experiencing in this moment we are making a binding agreement We are putting it in writing and our leaders, our Levites and our priests are affixing their seals to it Uh, after considering their relationship with God and reflecting on their own shortcomings and, uh, and, and stubbornness as a nation, they come to the consensus that now is the time for them to set themselves straight with God. God had helped them to restore the physical infrastructure of the city, and now they needed to uh, put themselves in submission to God, rearranging and realigning them with the spiritual infrastructure of the covenant that God had already set in place. <clears throat> the interesting thing about God's covenant with the nation of Israel Is that the covenant had never changed. The covenant was still there. Every time the nation found itself in disobedience, the covenant did what it was supposed to do. When they were faithful, it did what it was supposed to do. The the change needed, that they needed to take place, was within their hearts, within their actions, and within their minds. And this is what we see in the text. It says, in view of all of this. Their renewed commitment to the covenant came at the understanding of god's goodness their unfaithfulness and their position of distress and perhaps this is what will compel us to be in a state of constantly renewing our commitment to the covenant faith with god we have uh we have to have this in view of all this mindset that will allow us to recognize our place in the big picture We are sinful and God is sovereign. We uh, make mistakes, but God is merciful. And perhaps it is this fact that compelled Jeremiah to write in lamentation. That is because the unfailing love of the Lord that we are not consumed. It's because his compassions for us never uh, fail. God's mercies are renewed for us day by day. Why? Because we are sinful every day. Why? Because we are disobedient every day. Why? Because we stray from the straight and narrow path every day and our only hope is found in the mercy of God in our lives showing up new every day they recognize that God wanted good for them and only asked God and only asked for their loyalty and commitment so they recommitted to a binding agreement this would be the means by which the nation would be held accountable to God and to each other in other words, they were saying that they were, uh, they were uh, renewing this contract with God so that they could experience the fullness of God's love and the fullness of God's blessing and the fullness of God's favor. The people set their seal on this renewed contract that affirmed this agreement in the Old Testament. The wax seal was a sign of ownership to signify ownership and authority. The names would be listed on this written agreement to convey that leaders on be- convey that the leaders on behalf of the people were bound to the agreement, and the seal acted as a signature would today. The people signed the contract and sealed it to show that they were serious about the agreement. The only thing about the seal and the signature is that it is only as good as the name of the people who placed it on the agreement. That's a problem, y'all, because uh, Israel found themselves in a credibility deficit because of their history. So even as they sealed the document, their intentions were good, but it didn't mean much. And even if we flip to the last chapter of Nehemiah, what we discover is that it didn't take long for the people to break the agreement that they had made. They had made an agreement they had sealed it they had authorized it but they couldn't keep it and oftentimes, we can be like this remnant that makes agreements and breaks them we promise if God if you get me out this time we promise God if you deliver me this time God if you heal me this time God if you fix it this time then we'll be more committed we'll be more steadfast we'll follow the way of the Lord but the truth is our promises and our arrangements with God don't have any credibility ability because God already knows what's going to happen we will keep it for a little while but eventually we are going to fall short we're going to fall back we're going to fall down or we're going to fall off just like the Israelites when we get too comfortable we're going to slip back into sin and break the promises that we made but the good news is y'all that God knew that the Israelites would break the covenant again just like God knows that time after time we will fall short of the promises that we make unto God and because God knew this and because God is a God of great mercy, uh, God knew that God had to set up a different plan, a plan B, an alternate plan to open up a doorway to make things right between creation and creator and so the Bible tells us in John chapter 3 in verse 16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish it would have everlasting life for the son of god did not come to condemn the world but the world through him might be saved and you know the story that in Matthew chapter 1 it relates to us that Jesus came down through 40 and 2 generations that he was born to a teenager named Mary and that he lived and he died he lived and he healed and he delivered and he taught and he preached and he gave us the example he showed us how to live he showed us how to keep the covenant with God so that we would uh, not have to live in the space of unfinished business with God and then uh, God told him he had to go to a hill called Calvary uh, we witnessed the greatest act of God's mercy for us uh, that God poured out God's wrath on God's only son uh, that God's wrath for sin was poured out for him uh, for, for you and for me uh, on God's only son uh, on Calvary's Tree, that they uh, nailed him to an unbarked sycamore tree uh, on a Friday night uh, that God finished the business that we couldn't finish for ourselves uh, because you know we gonna mess up you know uh, we can't get it right uh, and so Jesus went to Calvary uh, yes executed uh, by the ruling power of the day yes set up on trumped up charges by the religious leaders of the day uh, but he came for a spiritual purpose uh, and he died uh, so that his blood would cover your sins and of my sins and now the covenant that we have is simple it's confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead early on Sunday morning and you shall be saved and that's good news today because we don't gotta keep the law we don't have to walk step by step by the law we don't have to give sacrifices anymore because Jesus was a sacrifice for us and so now we just got to keep gift of the Holy Spirit of God to guide us into all truth to guide us into all righteousness to guide us into the way that the Lord desires for us to go and when we put our trust in Jesus now we have a seal that will never be broken because it's not based on our credibility it's based on the credibility of Jesus Christ our Lord and now because of great God's great mercy when we ask we got a high priest in the order of Melchizedek who sits and intercedes on behalf for us and now because of God's great mercy and because of Jesus' sacrifice for us when we when God sees us God doesn't see our sin but God sees the blood of Jesus covering us when we say yes to the Lord and it's because of God's great love for us that God made a way for us to get back up when we fall down God made a way for us to move past the hurt God made made a way for us to move past the shame we don't have to be trapped in the drama we don't have to be trapped in our sin we don't have to be limited by our bad decisions but we can live in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit can guide us the Holy Spirit can lead us the Holy Spirit can help us to manage the unfinished business but you know what that requires of us that we've got to consistently put our before the Lord and say God I'm a sinner God I'm broken yes I believe but God help me God fix me God change me God mold me God show me myself so that I can be all that you've created me to be and if we're gonna have an impact in the world if we're gonna shift it's not gonna start by marching down the street it's not gonna start by what we do in the church it's gonna start when we're on our knees hinting to the Lord saying God forgive me for I have sinned God help me to get it right every day God I need more of your mercy and I am just looking for some folks today that's ready to deal with your unfinished business with God I'm looking for about five folks on Facebook I'm looking for about 10 folks on YouTube that are ready to say I'm gonna deal with my unfinished business with God I'm gonna get on my face in prayer I'm gonna spend my time in the word so that God's word can shape me and mold me into who God has created me to be and if that's you today I just want you to do one simple thing for me Uh, type it in the comments right now Uh, shout it in your room right now shout it in your living room I'm ready to deal I'm ready to deal with myself I'm ready to look at myself not from the standard of my neighbor but from the standard of God and recognize I still got work to do but the good news is that the Holy Spirit to help us get it right and we thank God for the spirit today so if you're ready to deal today if you're ready to repent today if you're ready to say sorry today not just in your words but in your actions I need you to lift your hands open up your mouth and say I'm ready for repentance today say I'm ready I'm ready For repentance, I'm ready to manage this unfinished business that I've got with God. God's finished it on God's end. But we've got to deal with some stuff on our end. God's provided and given us what we need. God's been faithful to us. Now we've got to deal with ourselves and look in the mirror and be honest about our faithfulness to God. Have we really been faithful to what the Lord has called us to do? Have we really been faithful to what God teaches in Jesus and shows us in the Word? Have we really been faithful to the urging and the leading of the Holy Spirit? Have we been faithful? Yeah, I know my answers. I ain't always been faithful. I, I, I haven't always done it the right way. Haven't always made every right decision. I always said every right thing I thought every right thought but here it is y'all if you get connected with Jesus Christ and God those bad decisions that you make God'll redeem them bad choices that you make God'll redeem them God God'll, you Paul, Paul said it like this it's my favorite verse and we know. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to god's purpose. If you love the Lord, call according to His purpose. God is working it out for you right now. gotta do it, just just manage your unfinished business. repent, just tell God i'm sorry and don't just say it, but show it repent means to turn away from show it in word and in deed come on let's pray god we thank you for your word we thank you for this moment in the life of the children of Israel that reminds us of your great sovereignty but also shows us our great sinfulness because yes god is described in the text we could be arrogant disobedient wicked could be wayward could be faithless But God, you've never stopped loving us. Just desire for us to walk in the way that you would have us to go. God, help us to admit to ourselves and recognize that your way is what's best for us. Your way is what we ought to be following and ought to be doing. God, I'm praying today that those who are watching this Even on this morning, as we gather in this space, in this virtual sanctuary, those who may watch this into the future, God, that today they will make a decision to say, I'm going to put myself in a posture of repentance. That I'm going to turn from the ways that I know aren't pleasing in your sight. And as you show me more, God, I'm going to turn from those ways as well. So, God, my prayer is that you would continue to expose us to ourselves, expose our shortcomings, help us to be better. God, today I'm praying for someone who needs to get connected with you, that they would say yes to Jesus so that they can experience the power of your mercy. God, we shout about grace, but it's the power of your mercy that you've withheld some things that should have taken us out that you've placed on Jesus the full wrath of your sin that we might not avoid the consequences of our action but the consequences of our sin in relationship with you We, we don't have to be separated from you even when we mess up God we pray today that they would grasp that truth and say yes to Jesus begin to commit themselves to you that they would admit that they are sinners and believe that jesus lived died and rose again and confess him as lord today god we pray for those who need to rededicate them lives in fact today god we usually pray for rededication but i'm just gonna pray today for all of us who need to uh, up our repentance game god that every day we wake up we just not just say thank you for keeping us another night but god say forgive us for our sin each and every time we realize that we're out of your will. God, we pray that one might be watching that want to partner with our church today and be a part of the great work that we're doing and that you're doing rather through our church. God, be with us now and keep us as we go into another week. In the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus, we pray and all God's children said "Amen." amen.